All right, so welcome back to the Infinite Gain. I am so pumped for today's episode. So today's one I've actually recorded back to back. It's my first time of having two guests on in the same day, which is pretty cool for me. Kind of fun to just be recording more and more, getting back into the groove because I've had a bit of a lull where I haven't been recording as much. So we're back at it, ready to go, back on the three days a week grind. I have my good friend Daryl joining me today. So Daryl, you actually have been an amazing influence on me just in the way that the way you talk, you're very introspective and reflective and you ask great questions. You're a great listener, which is why I was really excited to have you on. Uh, why don't you give just like a brief 30 to 60 seconds introducing yourself, like who you are? Yeah, sure. So basically, my name is Daryl. Um, I'm currently a sophomore at uh, SMU. Um, I'm an international student from Singapore, and I just decided, you know what, I had enough of like the Singaporean education system. I decided to come to the U.S. to really like push myself out of my comfort zone and grow as a person. Uh huh. And I would say that um, it was tough at first, but I would say that I definitely am. I, I think I'm doing well. So, um, yeah, that's me. I think doing well is an understatement. Daryl's maybe one of the smartest people I've met here. And maybe it doesn't even be like intellectually smart, but just smart by the way he thinks and the way he runs his life. So, um, yeah, definitely like doing way more than well. You, so you grew up in Singapore. How is it different from growing up in the U.S.? Okay, so the first thing that I would say about Singapore is that as an Asian country, we are very conservative okay. in general. We don't take risks. We don't. Um, we follow the set path. There aren't as many trailblazers in general. Interesting. Um, but it's not like America where, like, if you want to do your own thing, in general, there's less pushback from the community, right? But in Singapore, if let's say if you wanna. Go, like go overseas to studies or like do maybe music or something like that it's normally frowned upon so was there a pushback for you to come to the US um actually yes look it's not really a pushback per se but initially there was some pushback from my dad cause like he didn't understand why I wanted to come to go overseas in the first place when I could go to a local university cause the local university in Singapore and like National University of Singapore, um, SMU, which is stands for Singapore Management University, and like there's an, like Nanyang Technological University. These three universities are really good. Okay. This like to give you like for example for NUS, it's number eleven for on one of the rankings in the world. Wow. So, okay. I got into those universities, but I didn't take. Like it was. Looking back, like some people might look at me and say that objectively that's not a good choice, right? To say that, why would you give up such a prestigious university to go overseas to... I'm not saying Southern Methodist University is bad or anything, but it's more of like, in Singapore, if you want to go overseas to study, you usually aim for Harvard. Okay. Like the Ivy, for an Ivy League, yeah. or like Cambridge, Oxford, right? Okay. Stuff like that. And that's... That's how you justify the cost to yourself. Interesting. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So initially, my dad 
gave me quite a lot of pushback but then i i talked to him about it like i just couldn't see myself um growing in singapore mm-hmm. just because the culture is um to in my opinion quite stifling so Interesting. yeah you aren't given as much freedom to no you, at the end of the day you always have like free will right so um but then the culture in singapore is they don't really encourage you to do things outside your comfort zone and it's just how i grew up and i knew that there was something missing in my life that i knew that life has to be more than grinding out good grades uh, getting a good paying job getting to the best company and progressing up the corporate ladder is like it's like a rat race so like there yeah. has to be something more than that so that's why i came here to really honestly when i came here it's i would say that even i didn't know what was going to happen right it was a leap of faith almost right so but um once the decision was made and like i'm not going to lie to you like even on the plane here i was like starting i was like feeling scared and i was like i'm not sure if it was regret or anything but it's more of like damn like am i really going to put myself in such an uncomfortable situation such a difficult situation and yeah like and i realized that i guess you have to sometimes um i made i made the choice to really put myself in a situation where i had to like where i had to grow like to like really survive and do well um yeah so basically that's what i did and i would say that my experience here has been really great so far like i met so many people learned so much stuff um i learned what i'm interested in like i'm planning to do real estate and i would never have thought about real estate back home so um i would say definitely it's been a great experience and i and i want to make it worth it you know so yeah yeah that's beautiful that's so beautiful and the fact that there's this set path that everyone is supposed to go upon and prestige is almost something that is so important when it when you decide what direction you're gonna go to and you decided to say essentially fuck that and i'm gonna make decisions for myself and you just admitted man i was scared on the plane ride and i feel like that is where the most growth happens and the fact that you're so aware that you needed to experience that growth to truly find what you want to do mm-hmm. is so awesome yeah because like, here it's even in america it's the land of opportunity you're you can go do whatever you want but most people are not they're also going on the set path doing the less risky and i say that in air quotes the less risky journey to living a comfortable life to being financially free to being able to provide for your family but that's not always the best path and it's also not always the safest path because you can be risking your long-term happiness or fulfillment or simply feeling like you didn't do what you were 
put on this planet to do. Mm-hmm. I I put a lot of things in frame in the frame of if I'm 85 and I'm at the point where I'm not able to do physical activity and I'm at home and the only thing that I have is maybe my family, but even then most of the time I'm living at home and I'm lonely. Am I going to feel gratitude and am I going to feel fulfilled on the life that I had leading up to it? And almost having like a two-way conversation with my 85-year-old self can think, I can think about the decisions I'm making in the present and is that really going to be the best for me? And I feel like you used a similar a similar framework, even if it wasn't like you talking to your future self, but just knowing that this is going to be the best for me in the future. Yeah, like definitely. I, I completely agree. And like, this is definitely how I would put it is that um, you have to put, you have to really push yourself out of your comfort zone to grow in the first place. And okay, the thing is the less risky path and why most people do the less risky path it's because like it is more likely to most when you follow that path you're more likely to succeed right in a sense it de- de- depends on how you define success yeah but i guess for for most people um like there are reasons why people like do like the le- the less risky path sure simply because it's less risky it's the most like I guess logical way to live your life and keep in mind that me coming to the US to study also comes from a place of privilege Mm. because if I couldn't afford it if I didn't have the money not only to afford um, the trip here and I if I didn't have the money to like let's say even like live a comfortable life back in Singapore could I even could the thought of even going overseas cross my mind no probably not right so it, it comes from a like place of privilege in a sense where that because I've been very comfortable back home that thoughts about financial like having financial stability back home doesn't even cross my mind right so because it doesn't cross my mind I could take the chance to like think about like and basically proceed with other undertakings, right? So if imagine if I didn't have money in the first place or like have less money than I did. I would be thinking, oh, I have to get a job in Singapore and stuff. Like I have to try to maybe get a government scholarship or something, work in the government or something. And that's what most people do, right? But I would say that I'm definitely more privileged um, to even think about that. And even more privileged that my parents are, like are supportive I'm not gonna lie to you Asian parents in general they don't they usually don't um, support their children in this kind of undertakings definitely um, I have many friends that wanted to go overseas but they could not simply because their parents just refused um, to pay for that and my parents did which, which I'm grateful um, but what I would say is that I followed my, I'm a very sort of, I wouldn't say rational, but I use my head more than my heart, really. In most things in life, I'm a very logical person. I think through my actions, right? But 
I would say for big decisions such as this, I really use my my gut, my my heart to really make the decision for me. Simply because I knew deep down that there was something missing. I I knew that, like, and I. And I feel like if I stayed in Singapore, like that would eat me up inside. How did you know that? Because I I I have a tendency to project like into the future. Mm-hmm. I might be wrong because it's extrapolation, but basically I could see myself doing decently well in the local university, um, getting a, a good enough job, and. Like really, just being a normal person, like being an average person. Not that being an average person is wrong, but it's more of. It's, it's just. I feel like the majority of your life, if you're, if you're spent just doing what. Like everybody does, and then, just, okay. If you enjoy it, it's a different thing, but if you're just doing what everybody does, I feel like, and you don't really try to find out. And really explore what you actually want to do. I feel like it's um, you're you're doing yourself injustice in some in some way, right? So, um, but of course, this once again comes from a place of privilege. I could never say that if I'm if I'm like an average person, yeah. right? So, I, I understand that, and but that's just my my experience and my thinking, and. Like I know what you did was that you did like a two year gap gap year, right? So I would say that to, an advice to anybody is that like before you start college or like do try to do a gap year because and during that gap year really try to put yourself out there and try a lot of different stuff because the part of finding out what you want to do is finding out what you don't want to do, right? Mm. So yeah. Yeah, really, really explore um, your options and really um, try to put yourself out there as much as you possibly can. Um, really learn about the world. Um, don't because another good thing about putting yourself out there during your gap year is that you are not being like in school. You, like you proceed through school, like with ex- through like ex- assignments, exams, and stuff. Those things keep you busy, right? And when you're busy doing all those kind of things, you don't really stop and think. The direction is being provided to you. Correct. Right? So when you have a gap year, you are essentially on your own and you have to be the one to navigate your own life. And I feel like that is very underrated. Like just having that opportunity to just try and navigate your life and see where it goes. And then it's better than doing that than like going just straight to college and just going through the motions again and then maybe finding a job when you're um, once you graduate and then once you're like 30, 30, 40 years old you realize this job isn't actually what I wanted to do and then you have actually found out oh I should have started earlier but all this comes from a place of like you re- you have to like take the time to think and really explore first before you you go out and like let school do dictate how you're gonna lead your life it it's like you think about what is the meaning of 
life? And that can be that question can be taken in a multitude of contexts, but in the context of the conversation we've been having, it's like at the end of the day, we are just animals who exist on a planet mm-hmm. and we wake up when the sun rises and go to sleep when the sun sets and live our life and we grow older and then we die, right? There's no real true, there's nothing that you have to do. Uh, There's nothing that you need to do. You simply just need to survive. And in our modern society, we've been able to satisfy our needs of having food and water and shelter and it leaves us with this space, empty space to fill because we're not out there hunting all day or doing whatever it is to help the tribe survive. And for a lot of us, including myself, it's like, what what do I do? Everyone, Everyone's doing this one path. And it makes sense because it's human tendency to want to follow the herd. You were tribal people and it makes sense to just do what everyone else is doing. It makes even more sense to our parents for us to do what everyone else is doing because that is the safe route. But if you think about, okay, my life at the end of the day truly means nothing. And I mean that in the best way possible that at the end of the day, Nothing you ever do or say or put out into the world in a billion years, none of it will exist anyway. It'll all be gone. So you should be exploring what what do I want to do? Because it it's going to have no true effect on the end outcome. So that's how that's why I feel empowered to go do whatever I want and first yeah you have to find it do I actually know what I want to be doing for the rest of my life absolutely not but I know I want to lead and I want to build and I want to just I want to just do cool shit Mm -hmm. (laughs) it comes down to doing cool shit Mm -hmm. and building something for yourself is cool that's cool shit (laughs) so I I think, yeah, because, like, if if nothing really matters, then go do everything that you ever wanted to do. Mm-hmm. That's, that's I, I feel like it's a, it's a form of positive nihilism, where you can say nothing matters, so why should I do anything? Mm-hmm. That inherently just, like, leads to depression yeah. and, and non-action, but use it as a, as a f- way to take action. Nothing you do or say will ever have an effect on the end outcome. The, this, eventually the sun's going to explode. The universe is ever expanding and everything will be pulled apart. So we're just like, just a fineness. It'll be the universe once again. Yeah. So take advantage of it and get yeah. after it. I feel like you only have one shot at life, right? Yeah. You, like how, how many people, like how many how many people like how many living things actually have like the choice to do what they want and stuff like that yeah if you come from a place of privilege really please take that advantage to to really explore your options and really think about what you want from life instead of just following the crowd 
like do the because it's it's really easy to just follow the crowd but it's much harder to like think for yourself especially if you're not used to thinking especially in this day and age when everybody is like swamped with like so much noise um from like either social media or like just everything in general right people don't really stop and think and i think that is very underrated um, I, wanna, I just want to talk about that really quickly because i actually just talked about this in the last podcast i recorded with ben but i've i built up a bunch of really good habits mm-hmm. last semester starting from august to january i built mm-hmm. up an incredible amount of good habits some of which I still keep up, mm-hmm. but some of the small stuff have started to fall off. Mm-hmm. And part of it is because I've been very, very, there's been no free space in my mind for my subconscious to truly process what's happening day to day. It's A, I'm super busy to begin with, but then B, I'm filling in the gaps with additional stimulus and content from my cellular, some from my cell phone whether it's podcasts or YouTube or Instagram, even if it's stuff that can be deemed educational or beneficial for my entrepreneurial journey or for school, at the end of the day, it's just more shit I'm trying to jam into my brain. And the stuff that makes me feel like my life is running smoothly has fallen off because of it. Like my bed isn't made every day. The the clothes are still in the dryer after they were dried four days ago. Uh, the dishes aren't being done as yeah. fast. And my room's like messier than I would like it because naturally I, I like to be a very clean person, have everything tidy, um, be making all of my meals, and shit's not happening. Mm-hmm. And like you said, we are just are filling up our attention span with so much crap. And it's easy to go on autopilot yeah. and not even think about what's happening in your mm-hmm. life mm-hmm. or what path you're taking because you're just constantly distracted. Exactly. So to that point, like, come, like I'll bring up the importance of habits, right? Because the, the truth is we are just moving through our day like on autopilot most of the time. Like even if you build like good habits, you're still moving through it on autopilot, right? So... I would say no matter how big of, of your dreams that you have, right, you will still fall back to your habits. That's your baseline. And that if you have bad habits, your baseline will be just that much lower, right? Um, and so you want to maximize your chance of like you reaching your dreams. And if, if that's your goal, you first have to like set habits. Don't get me wrong. I, I I still, I have bad habits too. Like I don't keep up all my habits, and I still get lazy. And and, and I, it's hard. It, it is a difficult process for sure. Like because there's so much temptation, so much things that you want to do that will just break that. But that's why you just need like the to train your discipline more than anything, and it's you just need to go through like. You just need to understand that, like, you need to really set yourself up for success in the best way that you can. And that is by building up as many good habits as you possibly can. So that, so that like, in the future, um, 
when let's say if you don't reach your goal at least hey you have all these good habits that are like trying to lead you there how how do you build good habits because it's difficult to you can do something one day in a row two days in a row three days in a row four days in a row but the first time it becomes difficult to do it if you're losing 60% right there when the first time that it's not convenient for them to perform the new habit that they're trying to create, you just, they're, they're not going to do it. Yeah. So how do you build good habits? I would say definitely the most important thing is just like, you, you know, you go, you, when you go to the gym, right? Sure. There are days where you just don't feel like going to the gym. Of course. Right. But I would say the first step is just drive there. Yeah. Or leave your house. Right, or like pack your bag. It's the same thing. But if you want to build a reading habit, you don't need to read like fifty pages in one day, or like fifty page. Yeah, you just have to read one page. One page. And then since and like that, at least this is how I do it. At least how I think is that oh, I'm at one page. I might as well, right? So like, when I when I'm going to the gym, oh, I'm really like in my car. I might as well. So. Doing that definitely helps because I'm like just packing my bag for the gym and like getting all my pre-workout and stuff. I, I'm really there. I'm like, I, even, if, even if I'm tired and everything, but I've really prepared everything to go. Might as well really just put myself and just go. Might as well just do it. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely build good habits. That's how like what I would advise to anybody and put yourself in situations where you have to you have to grow because this is truly what I believe in is that like people respond to incentives mm-hmm. I truly believe in that principle so me coming here to the US it's also a conscious decision to make myself to make it difficult for myself so I have to be the one to push myself like I remember when I first came here I think I was like the only minority in like a sea of white white people here so yeah. I'm like damn I really have to go up to talk to people that and, is what it's like here yeah and keep in mind that I'm an introvert I'm very introverted like before I came here so like I had to really just put myself out there and just talk about anything it might be sure I might like make some maybe through me just being inexperienced I might make some people dislike me or something like that simply because I just talk about the most random things but yeah definitely um, at least do something right like you like if people don't like you or like from what you did hey at least you know that you said something wrong or you did at least you tried wrong. yeah at least you tried right um, it, it's better to try and and realize that that you did it wrong than to not try at all mm, that's what yeah. I would say and um, I'm not sure if this applies to anybody listening but for me personally I've always been a very introverted person before I came I've always thought about stuff and coming here I realized the importance of action mm. so like you have to think and you have to act there's no point just thinking and not doing anything. Mm. That's what I realized. Because you you really learn a lot by doing. And, and you really, it's better to do that than be paralyzed in your thoughts. Now, I think 
I'm going to build on that and say you only learn by doing. Something interesting I heard is that if you read something or you're in class and you've acquired certain knowledge, you haven't learnt until that knowledge changes your behavior. If it hasn't done anything to create action or change your behavior, you haven't learnt. That's just simply stuff sitting in your brain. <laughs> and what defines your intelligence is the rate at which you can learn. Meaning the rate at which you can acquire knowledge and then put it into practice. Mm-hmm. That's what makes you a smart person. Not just being able to read a bunch of books. Anyone can read books. They can read them slow. They can read them fast. But they're still the same person if they don't change because of it. So... I really think that action is not just, it is the most important thing Mm -hmm. when it comes to just growing as a person. Yeah. Now, I want to ask you, have you read the book Atomic Habits? Yeah. I I read about it. It's great. It's a great book. I listened to it on audio. And a couple things that I took away from it, and I have to go back and go through it again Mm -hmm. and go to the Atomic Habits website and actually use all the tools to some like effectively rebuild my good habits so that I don't get to the point where they drop off again. Mm -hmm. But there's a few things where it's like, like you said, we are driven by incentive. So pair the new habit you're trying to form with something that you already enjoy. So let, for example, I love to go to the gym but I don't really take my vitamins. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna pack my vitamins in my gym bag and as part of my pre-workout, I take vitamins every day. Mm -hmm. So that's like a way to, I pair going to the gym with taking my vitamins and now I'm gonna start taking my vitamins. Mm -hmm. Or um, I really, really enjoy my morning coffee, but I don't, I can only, or as I drink my morning coffee, I'm making my bed. Mm-hmm. So morning coffee means make my bed. Yeah. Uh, that was like one thing that I took away that I feel like it could really help in just application of new things is pairing a new habit with something you already enjoy doing mm-hmm. so that you get that same association that, oh, I, I could maybe enjoy this too or mm-hmm. it's it, a lot easier to solidify. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, yeah, that's something I really like about habits. Um, yeah, like I would say definitely, um, definitely build good habits for sure. And yeah, like put yourself in uncomfortable situations, really think about what you want out of life. Um, and you can think as much as you want, but sometimes you have to put yourself out there Yeah, and really find out, um, like what you actually want because you might hate it when you're out there, but as you look back on it, spend some time to reflect and think about, oh, like, that, there has to be a reason why I don't like it. Or, like, there has to be a reason why I like doing this. Mm-hmm. And from there, you go, right? Mm-hmm. Because, like, everybody's different. Every, like, you know how I... I remember I read this research about, like, like the 70, 60 or 70% of people like in Ivy Leagues are going to, like... 
consulting or finance or something like that. Wow. Right? That's insane. Oh, like, so I'm like thinking to myself, this, this cannot be the case because how can 60 to 70% of like these people be so similar that they all want to go to this path? I feel like it's more of the road well-traveled than because people actually want to do it. Like how people want to be doctors, lawyers, investment bankers because they just want to do, they, they just like follow it because it's the safer path is the more prestigious path. It's the big ticket path. Yeah, like people don't really consider, oh, um, what do you want? Yeah. You know, right. I, I thought I was thinking about this is that I f- maybe the reason why parents push their kids so much to follow this path is that maybe maybe our parents are almost assigning their own value of how well I did as a parent. And that's directly based off of what job, what prestigious job does my kid end up in? If my kid ends up in job, that validates the job I did as a parent. Mm-hmm. Where it truly isn't the case how well you did as a parent where your kid ends up, but it's just it's like this subconscious thing that if my kid doesn't end up in this place, I've somehow done a terrible job and it's my fault and now my kid's not going to get that recognition that he deserved and I'm not going to get the recognition that mm-hmm. I deserve. Yeah, I completely agree. Like, whatever you said, it's definitely more prevalent in Asian countries. Yeah. Right? I would say it's that it's definitely, like, prevalent here in, in America as well. But I would say there's always this risk aversion that we have, and just in general. Let's say, like, even though I came to the U.S. and I know the value of really finding out what you want for yourself, if my kid comes up to me and he tells me, hey, I want to be a pro gamer or I want to be like a musician, my first thought would be like, huh, that's not the, the, the usual path and I'll be really skeptical. Now that is just a product of, a byproduct of like being, just being risk averse. Yeah. Right? In general, people are just risk averse, like individuals. Right? So... I would say definitely you have to talk to your like if my son comes up to me like and says that I would definitely talk to my son and yeah really ask him why he wants to do that. that's why I always ask my friends right if if like I'm not sure if you were there but like Henry Alex um people like Dutch people like who are doing IB yeah right I'm always asking them why do you want to do IB yeah because the last thing I want is for my friends to find out they don't actually want to do IB. Mm. And then, if you can't justify it to yourself, you probably don't really want it. You're probably just doing it because, right? I think there's still argon- some of those guys, and maybe it's not the people who are directly our friends, but people who are coming out of our school, they're going to realize that they don't want to do it. And in their head, they 100% want to do it. That's the path for them. Investment banking, the way to go. Consulting's the way to go. They're going to get into that job and realize that it's not. Mm-hmm. But some, I think the, the 
the barriers, not even the barriers, just the blinders are set on right now. Like this is this is the way. Like you, it's so easy to convince yourself that this is something that I want to do, just based off of all of the external factors that have drilled it into you. Whether that's the whether it's the case with our friends or not, I know that there's going to be people who realize that it's not actually what they wanted. Yeah, well, I I completely agree that that like people tend to like justify their answers to themselves and just lie to themselves almost, right? And um, like people might have different reasons why they go into this or go into that, but I refuse to believe that everybody that it's pop so popular because everybody wants to do it, right? So, yeah. so it's something that I cannot wrap my head around, and asking the big questions of like what you like, what you're interested in, what you're good at, it's something everybody should ask themselves. Like it's the fundamental questions that you have to ask yourself first, before you can even think about what job to pursue or like what kind of life that you want. Right, so I remember I was speaking to Raleigh about mm-hmm. this, yeah, and he said that the questions will always be the same, right? So the answers will be no matter who you ask, everybody will have different answers, but the questions are will always be the same, and they will be the one that guide. They will be the ones that like guide you throughout your life. So you have to constantly keep those questions in mind, and sure. Changing your answers to those to these questions doesn't mean that you're a failure, right? It just means that you have changed the direction of your life. That's all. So these questions, they will just just keep in mind that like as you go through life, you will take action, you will fail, you will find out what you're good at, what you're bad at, and then from there you update your answers to your questions. Or like if whether you, if you have a family or like then you accordingly up, like update your your answers as well. So yeah, that stuck with me definitely. Like he taught me a lot, and I definitely learned a lot from him. And what I would say is that it's better to do it earlier than later. You don't want to go through life on autopilot on based on inertia and just regret it regret like half your life this this is the thing as people work through IB or like become a doctor or lawyer working these tough hours working for the money for the pay and everything even when you exit IB or even when you exit like let's say you don't want to be a lawyer or doctor anymore you will always find a way to somehow justify like it to yourself mm-hmm. right you always like let's say if once you stop doing IB and you say and you tell yourself hey I, at least I earned this amount of money at least I experienced this now I can do this at least I can do this like basically you, you're always trying to justify your, justify it to yourself and you can't live with this cognitive like dissonance in your head no, like nobody can just like how it, it might apply to me actually so when I came here, like now that I'm here, 
I'm always still justifying this choice to myself, right? I'm telling myself that, hey, I made so much friends here. I made, um, I've learned so much. I've really pushed myself out of my comfort zone. And in that sense, I'm also justifying it to myself. Objectively, I might be wrong. I don't know. I really don't. But what I would say is that really think before you do and I really made this choice thinking hard and long about what I wanted out from my life and that's why I made this choice and now that I made this choice I can't turn back right I, I have to make the best and sometimes there are no there are no there is no best choice basically it just is yeah there are there, sometimes there are like good choices Right? And sometimes you just have to pick one and make the best out of it. I don't think any choice is a bad choice because it's the choice that you made. Mm-hmm. And I, it's, it's incredible because the, for you coming here to SMU, the stakes are so high. The stakes are really high. And for me, it's simply me going through university. I, I picked this school because, oh, you know, it's just the best business school out of whatever options I had. Mm-hmm. And... For you, this is a life-changing decision. Yeah. It's so crazily altering to the course. It's almost unfathomable for me, for someone who's grown up. So I'm curious, like, what what is like the median income in Singapore? Is it primarily wealthy or are there a lot of like poorer people? Okay, this is how I would put it, is that, very interestingly, the median like, income in Singapore is prob- it's, it's pretty high. Okay. It's pretty high. But on average, there are less high highs and low lows than compared to America. So in America, even though the average income is probably, might be less, yeah. But there are really rich people here. Okay. And there are really poor people here. Okay. That's the difference. And this is, I, maybe it's something to do with the structure of society. But in Singapore, I would say this goes to innovation as well. In Singapore, people are pretty reserved. Like there isn't that much innovation, mm. right? But in the US, there's crazy amounts of it. Those innovators that are, that innovate they are really good at it and they are really th- there is no Bill Gates yeah. in Singapore you don't see that it's because in places like Silicon Valley every year there's a hundred new startups and two of them go to a billion and those that's the crazy innovation we have it's because we have those 98 other people who are willing to take the risk and failed yeah. but then they're gonna the next year they're gonna be back at it again yeah and building something new Exactly. That's why I find that so fascinating, because Americans in general are definitely more uh, willing to take risk than compared to Asian countries. This how I would put it is that Asian people, like our culture, is that it's really we make really good employees. We really mm. do. We are really good workers. We try our best to. In general, we we, we follow rules. We do our best at our job. We just that's how we live, right? But in America, it's more of... People want to do their own thing. People have more 
have less pushback about like trying to put, pursue their own thing. But yes, if, if in general, people still go to college, still follow the set path and everything. But in general, um, there are definitely more risk takers here. And that's why you see more successful people here. And I'm just in general, there are just more people towards the, the extremes. That's how I'll put yeah. America, which is very interesting to me. I think when it comes to being ultra successful, you can try and try and try and try and try and fail 20 times. But the one time you hit it big, you're going you're gonna to make more than you ever would have in the past 20 years. Yeah. The past 40 years. Yeah. If you had worked the best job. You still knocked it out of the park. So you see people becoming ultra successful in their 40s or their 50s, even their 60s. And because they're willing to take risk and fail for 30 years straight until they made it. Or they make a billion dollars on their first company when they're 22. It's like you, you simply don't know because when it ha- when people make it really big, it's everything has to line up. Mm. It's good leadership it's a good product the market lines up there's just happens to be like some perfect aligning of the stars and they make it yeah so like that touches the concept of luck yeah right luck is so important like even being born in a first world country is luck yeah being born in like a privileged family for for them to send me overseas is luck i'm gonna take it one step further simply just existing just being here on this planet right now, you could have been a fucking plant. You could have been a, you yeah. could have been a cow that is ready to be slaughtered yeah. and eaten for and ground made for ground beef. Mm-hmm. But you're a human. Yeah. So every yeah, and there's like yes, you need to have incredible skill and incredible collaboration and leadership and be top tier and every category but you also need a lot of luck to really hit it out of the park yeah yeah there's definitely a lot of luck involved but what I would say to that is that as the as the stars align the difference between those that are able to to make that into something is preparation right so you have to always be constantly improving always trying to ex- expand your knowledge base, increase your, compet- your, your competency and everything, try to improve your communication skills, everything to make it so that when it when the stars do align, you're there. You're prepared. You're prepared. You're there. I want to read you a story. So this is the, the parable of the Chinese farmer. You may or may not have heard this before. I'm not sure. So once upon a time... There was a Chinese farmer whose horse ran away. That evening, all of his neighbors came around to commiserate. They said, We're so sorry to hear your horse has run away. This is most unfortunate. The farmer said, Maybe. The next day, the horse came back, bringing seven wild horses with it. And in the evening, everybody came back and said, Oh, isn't that lucky? What a great turn of events. You now have eight horses. The farmer again said, maybe. 
The following day, his son tried to break one of the wild horses, and while riding it, he was thrown and broke his leg. The neighbors then said, Oh dear, that's too bad. And the farmer responded, Maybe. The next day, the conscription officers came around to conscript people into the army, and they rejected his son because he had, broke, he had a broken leg. Again, all the neighbors came around and said, Isn't that great? Again, he said, maybe. That's the story. Mm-hmm. I just want to hear, what, what's your initial reaction? This is what I, like, my, the lesson that I, at least that I got from the story is that any situation in life, be it how other people see it, whether it's good or bad, can be either a blessing in disguise or a curse. Like that disguise is a blessing, right? And that's how I see it, is that objectively, some things might look bad, might look bleak, and it's objectively just bad, right? So, But sometimes you just have to... It's how you see it. It's how you see the situation, how you really view it, and basically realize that, hey, there's a lesson here to be learned and how you go from there. Um, for me, it's... I'm not going to lie, it's really tough not to feel sad for yourself, not to feel bad when things don't go your way. Like, <laughs> this, this this semester alone, right? Many things didn't go my, go my way. And many things did too, right? Because this semester, I really tried my best to put myself out there, really do it either academically, socially, really try my best in whatever I did. And it's... It just feels bad when I get rejected from like a job or like didn't get into this, didn't get into that. And then, because I expect myself to always, to succeed always. And I realized that failure is part of success and, and that no matter how bad it seems on the surface, whether it's good or bad, it really depends on how you see it. And because now that I know that, hey, I didn't get, I didn't get into this and I didn't get into that because maybe I don't have the skills required for this or that, or maybe I'm just, I come across as this or that, right? And so I have to, now that I know this, I take the time to reflect and okay, you know what? I'll work on it during the summer. I'll try to be better in the summer. And so in relation to this story is that at least from what I got, is that you really never know how things are going to th- turn out in, in the end, right? And that you can only just try your best to to, le- to see the bad things as like a learning opportunity or like try to view it in a positive way and, and really go from there and just never really know how life is gonna turn out anyways right if life was written out like a movie script mm-hmm. it would be the boat the most boring movie correct. ever written correct the 
the, one of the key things that makes life and existence beautiful is the inherent complexity and volatility mm-hmm. in the way things turn out. Mm-hmm. You can never predict what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. You can never predict the meaning of any one event. You could, taking the example of getting rejected from a job, it could have been any number of reasons why you didn't get the job. It could have been at the end of the day that the boss's son needed a job mm-hmm. and that was the last spot. Mm-hmm. And it was nothing to do with you, but you don't know that. Mm-hmm. And that's just something that happened to happen. The stars aligned for that kid. But the thing that you do have in control is yourself. Yeah. Like you said, after I get that rejection, the only thing I can do is go home and work on it or work on myself. Constantly be in this cycle of self-improvement where you assess, then you plan and implement and then evaluate and repeat and keep going and keep going and keep going. Building your good habits, reinforcing them. Working on the skills that you perceive to be most beneficial to drive you towards your end goal. And there's going to be moments where you go in the wrong direction. But on average, if you're moving in the right direction, then you're moving in the right direction. Yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah, there's always going to be d- dips and yeah. p- sparks where you take two steps back. But I think the times where you take two steps back are the times that load you up and gear you up to take four or six steps forward. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like loading a slingshot. Yeah. Right? Taking two steps back is just loading the slingshot to catapult you forward to make significant progress. Yeah. That, that definitely. Just take failure in stride. See, there are some kids that I know in my life that I feel almost I feel almost like sad for them because they were that good Mm. they were that successful and they have always been that successful because the thing is bad times will come tough times will hit you like a truck and those people who have never experienced failure before or ever experienced any form of difficulty they will suffer there is, there is no doubt in my mind. And that it's better to really experience failure when you're younger because the thing is when you're in school, okay, the thing about school is that, sure, like a lot of people say that school is, it's, it's, not, it's like it's useless and stuff like that, but let's be honest here. Like even if you, what you learn in school might not be applicable, like let's say in your life or whatever, School teaches you basic life skills to work hard. The most important thing is to be socially adept. Mm. It puts you in a place where you're surrounded with people and you're forced to navigate your social environment and what you learn. So people who say that school is useless, like I, I personally think that, like, let's say if you really think that... Um, 
I wouldn't I would definitely say it's definitely not useless but I can see why people some people drop out and like start their own business or do whatever stuff that is necessary to succeed but it's definitely not useless 100% so school is it's, it's basically a safe medium for you to fail right you failing in school has almost no like real world impact it's better to fail in school and better to like understand yourself when you're younger and to do it later on where you when you actually failing means something means something yeah there's no real repercussions yeah correct so i have friends in my uh, my singapore high school where they, they, they were just straight a students from day one they've always studied really really hard not that it's a bad thing studied really really hard whatever they took they succeeded they became a lawyer doctor they got into accepted into like law school med school and just basically their life has always been a constant up it's always going up it's going always going up but I'm just afraid for them that when life hits you with, with tough times like I'm scared that those guys can't can't handle it they, they can't handle it yeah and then I think that's when massive amounts of insecurity or self-doubt or not understanding why why is this happening to me mm-hmm. when just like we said before the circumstances could have been out of their control the rules to the game that they put themselves in could have been ambiguous and they didn't know what game they were playing and lost it's it's just the way life is the way it's set up as this life life is a game and the game is infinite until you die mm-hmm. right it starts when you're born and it ends when you die and there's no set winner or loser there's no set criteria of how to win or how to lose you don't even know who the players are yeah there's no rule set. There's no halftime. Yeah. So, unless you're aware that the game you're playing is ambiguous and volatile and has massive complexity where decisions that you make that are perceived to be beneficial could bite you in the ass later on or vice versa, when you get to the point and you experience that volatility... It can be it can be too much to handle. Mm-hmm. Learning to fail is so important. Yeah. It and I there's something that I in today's society, I don't know if this is how it is in Singapore, but growing up here in America, there's been this emphasis put on that everyone is a winner. That every kid is special. That every kid deserves special attention and that they did great and that the emphasis is simply on participation mm-hmm. rather than winning or losing and especially in these in the finite games that we have whether it is school or it's uh, sports or any sort of competition it's a spelling bee but every kid gets a participation trophy at mm-hmm. the end it devalues the kids who actually are special 
or who put in the work to put themselves ahead. Mm-hmm. And it gives value to the kids who did nothing except be there. And it is almost made this made doing poorly in whatever finite game it is okay. Mm-hmm. And then you don't learn how to deal with failure yeah. because failure is just like, okay, I still get rewarded even if I fail. Yeah. Yeah, I realized that Americans is Americans in general can't take criticism well. That's what I would say. Um, even in the classroom setting, I've heard like really weird opinions. I wouldn't say weird. Honestly, just not good opinions. Okay. Like what? For example, like just basically understanding or like basically answering the question so wrong, but yet the the professor is still like say, "Hey, great job!" and everything. That's 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 a good try and everything. And I remember like giving. That's where the culture differs back in Asia. Is that I remember giving a criticism about a friend's essay, not a friend, but like somebody's essay, right? Because I I really. Gave my honest criticism on the work, so, and I could tell he didn't like it, right? Because like, I guess people just want to be shown that they're good all the time. Yeah, they want to be validated. Yeah, they want to be validated. So I realized that's a very American thing. Like I remember, this is not the case in in even in Europe. It's just America specifically. It's very specific to America that people want to be validated. They don't like hearing the bad stuff. This is just something that I learned here. It's because uh, we've been shielded. Like, yeah. our, our parents have put this giant Spartan shield in front of us to protect us from us feeling bad. But, and it's all done out of the kindness of their heart. The, the older adults just want us to feel good. They don't want kids to be bullied. 